You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So I want to minister this morning about the significance of the church, the importance of the church, how important it is to be part of the body of Christ. When we study the Bible in the Gospels, in the Gospels, the word church is only used twice. The one is in Matthew 16, verse 17, where it, speaking about Peter, this rock that God will use and he will build his church upon it. And that speaks about the universal church, the body of Christ. Secondly, in Matthew 18, it's the local church, the local expression. So there's two kinds of churches almost that I want to say, or it's one and the all, but it's the universal church and then the local expression of the church. So the church is not an organization, it's an organism. You have to belong to the church and you belong to the church through the new birth. You must be born again. When you are born again, your name gets registered in the heavenly Jerusalem. The first person or the first person that was raised from the dead, whose name was registered in heaven, is Jesus Christ himself. So he's the head of the church. We're the members of the church. So there's a universal church, globally the church, and then there's the local expression. So to be a part of the church, you must be born again. So what does it mean? It means you can sit in a church and not be a part of the kingdom of God. But you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God and not be in a church. So if you say you're part of the kingdom of God, you must be in a church. You cannot just watch TV. Because if you're only watching TV the whole time, TBN or whatever Christian station, if you're just receiving the whole time, the water is just flowing in. You must go out and give. Amen? You, you are made to worship with brothers. You have to find a place where you can worship. I watch a lot of Christian TV. It encourages me and it strengthens me and the messages are so, so profound and just life-changing. But I cannot just watch TV the whole time. We're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews 12 verse 22. And I'm going to read a lot out of the Passion Translation. Both those scriptures, Matthew 16 and Matthew 18, if you read it in context, the portion after that, God speaks about authority. So as soon as He speaks about the church in the Gospels, the verse after that, he speaks about authority. Whatever you bind you on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose you on earth will be loosed in heaven. In both those verses. So the church, the purpose of the church is really to establish God's authority here on earth. Even Jesus, when his disciples asked him, how should we pray? He says, pray, thou kingdom come, thy will be done. That which is going on in heaven, let it manifest here on earth. Amen. And the vehicle that God uses is His church. The church is the reservoir of God's power. Hebrews 12 verse 22. By contrast, we have already come near to God in a totally different realm. The Zion realm. The born again realm. The realm where Jesus lives. In that realm, there's no defeat and failure. There's only victory. For we have entered the city of the living God which is the new Jerusalem in heaven. We have joined the festal gathering 
of myriads of angels in their joyous celebration. And as members of the church of the firstborn, that's Jesus Christ, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. And we've come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in his eyes. So there's the universal church globally and locally. You have to be part of the body of Christ. You know, it's not that difficult to understand. Just think about your own family or think about your own body. Jesus said in his word that as the husband is the head of the home, so Christ is the head of the church. He says in the same way you have a wife, you have the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says if you can understand this, how authority works in the home, you'll understand how it works in the church. That's why Paul said when he wrote to, to Timothy, he said, if somebody wants to be an elder or a deacon, go and see if he rules his house well. Does he understand how authority works in the house? If he understands how things work there, you can entrust him in the church as well. What is Christ's attitude towards the body of Christ? What is the wife's attitude towards her husband? Ladies, answer this question. Do you submit to your husband because he's your husband? Or do you submit to him because of the delegated authority of God? You submit because of the delegated authority of God. Not because he's your husband. So it's about establishing authority. The same challenge that we have in families. We have the same challenges in the church. Can you understand why families have been under so much attack? Because... If the family is broken up, people will not have revelation and understanding of the authority of God, how God operates. Many times because fathers are not there, people cannot trust God the Father. We fathers or parents have never disciplined the children, as soon as they get disciplined in the church, they want to run away. I don't like what you say, pastor. I'm going to another church. I like what they say. And we have people moving around the whole time because of this thing. So a church is an organism, not an organization. You join an organization. But this is something that's alive, so you must be born again. It's not a club. You join the library club or the jogging club or the 4 by 4 club. And you pay your fees and they render a service. This is about family. This is about being planted, being finding your rightful place. It's about authority. It's about obedience. Remember Eve. Eve was under God's direct authority. But she was also under Adam's delegated authority. And when people don't understand that, that's when the trouble starts. She was supposed to listen to her husband. But she was self-willed. Wanted her own way. Thinking that God was withholding something good from her. And then she ate of the tree she was not supposed to do. Every time 
you violate God's word, God's authority, you're not obedient to God's word. In the same way as Eve went to root and, and she actually fell. The same happens in our own lives. Nothing is different today. A family is there to protect you. The father is there for a reason. The mother is there for a reason. As Jaden's father, as Hope's father, yes, we're going to be friends as well. We're going to agree on a lot of things and, and we'll have fun. But sometimes there's a father moment, a mother moment, where you have to help them and correct them. Especially as they grow up, teenagers sometimes think they know the best about everything. Better than the parents. And it's there where you know, if I don't help this child now, they're going to go in the wrong direction. Then it's time to be their father and their mother. And they have to obey. The problem that we have is, is that children have never been disciplined in their homes and they become spoiled children. And now we have spoiled children in the church. And it's just as difficult as it is for you as a parent to deal with a spoiled child. It's difficult for God the Father to deal with a spoiled child. Because every person here can make his own decisions. You're a free moral agent. You make the decision to be a vessel of honor and align yourself with the word of God. To be obedient to the word of God. It's not about sacrifice. It's about obedience. Can you see when Eve didn't obey her delegated authority, it resulted in sin and rebellion and we still pay the price today. Can I tell you something that I've realized? To see authority, you need a clear revelation. To understand how authority works, how structure works, even in the family, how structure works. Family, you need a revelation. Just because I'm the pastor of the church, I cannot just come into Mr. Tamana's house and tell his wife, okay, this is how things are going to work. No. But here, in the spiritual home, where I'm the father, I can say things have to work like this and this and that. Very few people understand that. Just think about Moses, Miriam, and Aaron quickly for one minute. He was the youngest. He had an elder sister, Miriam. His brother Aaron, where they come from, they're not allowed to marry anybody else except you have to be a Hebrew. So Moses went and married an Ethiopian. He went cross-culture. Some of you, have had, you, you're looking at me like, but some of you had some cross-culture arguments in your families already. Why did you go marry that person from there? So in the family structure, as the eldest sister... She's got the right to say, Moses, can we just sit and talk about this? What are you doing, my younger brother? And Aaron was there as well. And he said, okay, let's meet. So in that structure, it's fine to talk about it. But then what did Miriam do? She crossed the boundary and touched his spiritual authority, which came from God. She said to him, Moses, do you think only you can hear from God? Don't you think we can also hear from God? And God said, Moses, Miriam, Aaron, just come here quickly. What are you saying? Are you comparing yourself? Because I'm backing you in the family structure, 
Do you think you can just say whatever you want against my spiritual authority, the one that I've called to bring deliverance? See, let me tell you something. The way that I speak to you, I don't even speak to Moses that way. See, Moses sees my shape, sees my image when I talk to him. You're not called equally. And because of that, she became a leper. Aaron, the, the priest, says, Moses, please, pray. We can clearly see God is backing your authority. Moses prays and she gets healed. Amen? Can you see the importance to understand that? Especially in our charismatic churches, spirit-led churches, where people have not been discipled to a place of maturity. Everybody is hearing God. In the body of Christ, we should be of one mind, one heart, one spirit. Amen? In your family, you don't allow more than one vision. And in the church, there cannot be more than one vision. Because when there's more than one vision, it causes division. And any kingdom divided cannot stand. Let me use another example quickly. David. David had a very clear revelation and understanding of God's authority. Saul was anointed to be king. But then he didn't obey. God said, kill and destroy the Amalekites. Make sure you kill King Agag. Saul didn't wait for Samuel. He went ahead and did what he wanted to do. So that when Samuel arrived, he even greets him. He says, man of God, it's so good to see you. I've done exactly what the Lord told me to do. His heart had deceived him. They had kept aside the best. When Samuel confronted him, he said, Why are you now questioning my motives, priest? You know, we've just kept these cows and these goats because we just want to bring it as a sweet aroma offering to the Lord. He says, God does not have any delight in your sacrifices, but what pleases Him is your obedience. Today, Many times we get involved in things that are sacrifices that we think should honor God, but we're not obedient to what God told us to do. Even in the family, it's more important to be obedient. You don't want children to just make sacrifices the whole time. You want children that's obedient. God has called us to be obedient to His will. Even Jesus was of authority because he was under authority. Remember Jesus said when he was praying. He said, Father, if there's any way possible that this cup can pass me by, let it be. So there was a time in Jesus' life where God's will and the cup was two different things. But then he said, I'm going to be obedient to your will. And his will and the cup became one thing. They after the cup could have changed, but Jesus would still have been obedient. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse 21, Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives submit to your own husbands and to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore you, therefore just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Gentlemen, I want to give you just some good advice. The Bible is not saying, go and remind your wife to submit. He says, wives, you submit. 
God is speaking to the wives. They have to make the decision. He's not saying, husband, you tell her, submit. The Bible is saying, husbands, love. Saying to wives, respect your husbands. Don't, when God is speaking to your wife, go and enforce it on them. Let them make the decision. Now you're aligning yourself with the word of God. I know most men are guilty. You should submit. You should submit. Like you make a decision to submit to God and to be the least. She should do the same. Amen. I think some of the guys are going to get it at home. Yeah, you see what the pastor told you now. Stop telling me to submit. (laughs) Submission is a woman's gift. And that's what makes her really beautiful. But it's easy for her to submit when you, sir, are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible also says, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate sin. So in other words, if I'm not forgiving somebody, say I'm staying angry with Mr. Tamana, sitting on my chair again, and I've told him he shouldn't sit here. If my wife comes and she says, my husband, I love you, but you have to forgive that man. I don't say, excuse me, who's the head of the house? I tell you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. No. We're submitting one to another because we are one body. The hand needs the arm like the arm needs the elbow, needs the shoulder. I don't need my hand rebelling now. But because people don't have a revelation of authority, understand how it works. Christ is the head. Christ is the head. This thing of rebellion is a problem. Remember, even the angels in heaven rebelled. And then man here on earth rebelled. So Christ came to this earth to restore authority. And he said, my body is here, but I will be the head. Eve sinned because she was not subject to God's order. Nor did she obey God's authority. And she fell. Ephesians 2 verse 19, so you are not foreigners or guests, even though you were non-Jewish, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones, with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are risen like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. The entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies. His dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you first the life of the head in us then the authority of the head in us and in the body of christ there is also a structure and we have to align ourselves with that otherwise we can make wrong decisions just because my son thinks he can drive a car down to cape town doesn't mean he can just because he can pull the car in and out doesn't mean he can drive even if he can drive and he takes the car and he drives around the block, he still has to go for his learners. He still has to go for his license. He still has to get some experience before he can drive. 
Now, if you understand it when it comes to driving a car, we should understand it when it comes to things of the Spirit, when it comes to ministry. Just because you see somebody doing something doesn't mean you can do it. Aaron's own two sons saw their father offer fire unto the Lord. Day after day they saw it. Then they took it themselves and just went to bring fire. What happened? And the fire came from God and consumed them. And when they, Moses spoke to Aaron and said, Hold your peace. What these two boys did was not commanded by God. They were not obedient. They did it out of themselves. They saw somebody did it and they think they can just do it. Today we have people that go to a conference and they come back and they say they're a pastor. A conference does not call you to be a pastor. God calls you to be a pastor. We can just acknowledge that calling upon your life in the body of Christ. Amen? Because somebody always prays for the food when you have a, a gathering in, at, at, at work. You now start calling that person Maruti. Just because he can pray, you call him Maruti. It's very dangerous. You're putting something in a man's heart that shouldn't be there. The next minute, he's in his church and he thinks he doesn't like the pastor and he thinks things are happening in the church because of him. And he wants to split that church. And he violates God's authority. You call somebody Maruti because God has called him Maruti. Man can, if, if, if a man calls a person, a man will have to keep that person in that office. A matter of fact, that person, his church must acknowledge that he's got a calling upon his life. Not people out there. And if somebody's got a calling upon his life, everybody will see it. You'll see it. In the body of Christ, you can see a hand is a hand. This hand doesn't have to say, I'm a foot, I'm a foot, I'm a foot. No, you look like a hand. When you walk into the grocery shop, pick and pay or check the, the vegetable se section, you don't see the tomato shouting, I'm a tomato, I'm a tomato. You get to the watermelons, I'm a watermelon, I'm a watermelon. We can see your watermelon. Amen. I hope I'm helping you. Because we want people to finish strong. If you, before you call somebody a Maruti next time, go ask them, what does your pastor say? Does your pastor say you're a Maruti? Because number one, if you want to call somebody a pastor, a shepherd, where's his sheep? If you say somebody is a shepherd, where's his sheep? If you say somebody is an apostle, where's the churches that you've planted? But now you see people even going double barrel on their titles. Doctor Professor or Apostle Prophet or Prophet Teacher. Even the body of Christ is now confused who they are. The Bible says he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors. My grace that God has extended is more. But in my heart, God has called me to be a shepherd and said, be a pastor, shepherd the people. So there might be other things at work, but the grace is to function as a pastor because that's what people need. Title does not do the job. I have many people that give me business cards with CEO. Just because you have a business card that says CEO doesn't mean you're a CEO or CFO or CFMOO, whatever you want to put on there. I mean... The title doesn't do the job. 
I can have a business card that says pastor or senior pastor. It doesn't do the job. If you're not one such in heart, God looks at our hearts. Amen. So you have to be trained for your calling. The Bible says in Acts 2 verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. To get planted in the church. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says, Who first saved us and then called us to His holy work. We had nothing to do with Him. It was all His idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about Him. Church leadership has the responsibility to disciple you. You need to be discipled. Many people are going out and doing things and they've not been discipled. They've not been trained thoroughly. It's like a tree. A tree that grows. You want that tree to grow to maturity. You have to sometimes loosen the ground a little bit, put some fertilizer, put some water, and then sometimes you have to prune a little bit. You prune me once, I'm leaving this church. That's what people do. Maybe it's because I was, I, was, I was in the army, I was a medic. When I signed up to be in the army, I couldn't just leave. If I leave, it's AWOL. Even if I say I'm leaving now and I'm going there, they're going to send the MPs after me. They're going to arrest me and they're going to lock me up. Many people today are bound in a cage because they just took a microphone and went instead of allowing God to send them. Jesus even could operate in authority because he was under authority. Let me quickly help you quickly. Acts 13 verse 1. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 13 verse 1. If we do not relate correctly to authority, we will not relate correctly to God. Because when you need salvation, it's because of God's authority, because of God's power. This is why many people cannot relate correctly to a church or to God. Because they don't understand authority. Acts 13 verse 1. In the church at Antioch. So in the church in Antioch, there were a number of prophets and teachers of the word, including Barnabas, Simeon from Niger, Lucius from Libya, Manian, the childhood companion of the king Herod Antipas. So if you can see a number one, it's in the church the fivefold ministry functioning in the church, members in the church. And Saul was there also. While they were worshiping, so while they are busy with the normal things that they do in the church, remember your work is part of your worship. Setting up is part of your worship. Worship is not just singing. While they were worshiping as priests before the Lord in prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I have called Barnabas and Saul to do an important work for me. Release them to go and fulfill it. There was consensus. Everybody had peace. The Holy Spirit had spoken and said, release them. Not, Pastor, I'm going to do that. And if you don't agree with me, God will remove you. If you don't release me now, God will be against you. You don't do that. That's not submitting anything. That's just telling us what you want to do, what's going on in your heart. So after they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them off. 
Paul and Barnabas first got saved, then they got trained, then they got released. People today hear one sermon, one conference, and they want to be released. And they say, I'll go for on-the-job training. You're going to have on-the-job difficulties. And number one, it's not the order, the way that it works. Your child doesn't just go out and marry somebody and say, I'm not joined to this, bless it. No, there's an order. You come and you say, please, mommy, daddy. I want to marry this person. Does it have your approval? But even before that, you introduce the person. Once again, if you understand the order in the family, you'll understand the order in the church. Can you just bless that marriage now if the person has just gone and rebelled and done his own thing? Especially when you've said, don't just do it. Let's first see who the person is. So if you have something in your heart concerning ministry, that's good. To want to do something for God. But there's a way to release it. If you've got this big ministry. Pastor, I've got a big ministry. It's this big cannon. If it's a big cannon, you don't fire a big cannon from a canoe. If you shoot a cannon from a canoe, you're going to flip the canoe. A church is a strong base to launch any ministry. All these parachute ministries is not the ideal. Many times it's somebody who wants to do something in their heart and then later on they just get so frustrated and they go and do it in any case. It's not the right way to do it. I'm helping some of you here. Because if ministry burns in your heart, align yourself with the body of Christ. Amen? You cannot violate spiritual laws and expect a spiritual blessing. I mean, Moses is a very good example. Do the things right. Remember, even part of the congregation came and rebelled against him. Korah and them. Said, okay, let's see who God is. Moses just said, you know what, I'm not going to defend myself. You guys come tomorrow. You offer your, bring your sacrifice. And I'll bring my sacrifice. And God will answer. And what did God do? God opened up the earth and swallowed them in. Because rebellion is very dangerous. Disobedience to God's word is rebellion. Especially now where we have to run more for God. We have to become more focused. Align yourself with the vision of a church. Amen. Let me read it to you. Leviticus 10 verse 1. You know that. It's all about obedience. Then Nabab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his sense and put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. They just saw what their dad was doing, what their father was doing. But it was not commanded by God that they should do it. It's about discipleship. It's about obedience. It's more about the obedience than the sacrifice. It's not the offering that you are bringing. It's being obedient. For one person, God can say, I want you to do this. And it can seem very small and insignificant, but you have to be obedient to that. Sometimes God will just say to me, your children in this season that they are right now, I want you to do this. I'm thinking... Isn't this the season where they should be doing this for me? 
God said, it's not about the sacrifice, it's about the obedience. Many of you would have less challenges at work, in your marriage, in your family, if you just obeyed instead of making all the sacrifices. Usually when people don't disobey, they quickly want to run and make a lot of sacrifices. Okay, let me give you a more practical example. When I've not behaved properly like a husband, maybe did something I shouldn't have done, now I want to run with flowers and chocolates and make all the same, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to do that. No, just be obedient. Amen? You can still bring the flower, that's always a good thing. Amen? That's always going to help your marriage to bring flowers. The Bible says in Psalm 91 verse 12, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. In, his court, in the courts of the Lord, they shall still bear fruit in an old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. You know, a palm tree can withstand hurricanes, the strongest of winds. But you have to be planted. Don't be a pot plant. We have too many Christian pot plants. They look beautiful. They're in a pot. Then you put them in the rain. And they get some rain. They go to this conference. Then they say, oh, oh no, that's too much. Put me in the shade. Then they're in the shade. Then they want to be in the sun. But their roots can never be deep. And they can never grow to the full potential that they're supposed to grow. Because they're always moving around. If the enemy can move you from church to church every two, three years, you'll never grow to maturity. You'll never even build lasting, strong relationships. Because it takes two to three years just to get to know people. If you are planted, be planted. There's a reward in that. 1 Peter 2 verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also are living stones and are being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You cannot accept Jesus Christ as the foundation in your life. I mean, you cannot be born again, but then you say, I don't want to be built up. I'm not going to be part of this building. Amen? You have to be part of the body of Christ. You have to be part of a local church, the expression there. As a matter of fact, the Bible gives us clear instruction that what's happening here, us coming together to worship, we should not neglect it. In other words, you should make sure that you do it often. It means you have to be submitted and committed in a church. Many people are committed in a church. You'll see them every Sunday. They are there. They're committed. You see them, but they're not submitted. As soon as you say to him, this is not right in your life. We have to look at this. They say, okay, bye-bye. I'm going to another church. And then they're committed there. They'll be there every... But don't tell them, this is not right in my life, or you should look at this. So they committed, but they're not submitted. Then you get people that submitted. Every time they're in crisis, they want to phone, Pastor, what should I do? Just tell me, pray with me. Oh, you should... Oh, thank you. I'm going to do that. But they're not committed. You see them once a year. Or once in every three months. Or once in every... You need to be submitted and committed. To be truly planted. Amen? 
So if you plant it, you're going to get some good water, you're going to get some good fertilizer, and sometimes there's a pruning. We want the fertilizer, amen. We want the water, amen. The pruning. All of us have got some nonsense we have to get out of our systems, amen. So that's the pruning, getting rid of that nonsense. Cutting it, amen, with those things once and for all. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, as you see the day approaching. I'm closing with this. Many have disappointments in churches. Many, have dis- many, many people got hurt in churches. But just because you got hurt in a church doesn't mean you can run away. In your family, you also get hurt. Your sibling also disappoints you. But family sticks together. We are registered in heaven. We are born again. We are born of Christ. We are born of love. There's no matter that you cannot resolve. Amen? If you come in humility and sincerity of heart, you can say, Lord, forgive me. And you can go to the person and say, please forgive me. Amen? Because we need one another. We are linked to one another. The thumb needs the hand. The hand needs the arm. The arm needs the elbow. The elbow needs the shoulder. It cannot function on its own. We are one another's strength. So Ephesians 4 verse 10 says, And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up. The highest heaven. He handed out gifts above below. Filled heaven with his gifts. Filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostles, of prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher. To train Christians in skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church. Where does all of this happen? In the church. Until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. We need each other. If you say Jesus Christ is your foundation, find a living church. Get planted in that church. It's there where you'll bear much fruit. The authority that's there is to protect you, is to there to make sure that you don't walk in error. Amen? Because sometimes we have a lot of zeal on the inside, but we don't have the knowledge. Do things right. The Bible says we cannot build on another man's foundation. Amen? So if God has placed you here, we welcome you. Praying for you, watering you, giving you the word, fertilizing you, so that you can grow stronger and stronger and stronger. We need one another. You are my strength, I am your strength. And as the body of Christ, the reservoir of God's power, we can go and establish His authority. Here in Pretoria, Gauteng, this whole nation, even take this whole continent for God. If we have one mind, one heart, one spirit. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.